Could you please open your Bible to Colossians chapter 3? Verse 21 is what we'll be considering, which says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. If you could change uh, one thing about your dad and how he raised you, what would it be? Now, no doubt uh, answers will vary greatly depending on the quality uh, of upbringing. There will be some who had such a, a terrible childhood that it's difficult to just narrow it down to one thing you would like to change. Whereas others who have had a very good upbringing, well, it's harder to think of things for you that you would like to change. But if it was possible to wind back time, what would you change? In your perception, whether it's true or not, what would have you liked from your dad that you felt was lacking. Or to phrase it differently, what qualities do you believe separates a decent dad from a dodgy dad? Now that's the basic premise of the sermon. How does the Bible differentiate between a decent dad and a dodgy dad? And when I think about fatherhood and the Bible, two things immediately come to my mind. Number one, there are a lot of dodgy dads in the Bible. So think about it. The Bible tells us about a lot of dodgy dads. This doesn't mean there weren't decent dads, but if you and I were to sit down and construct some lists, I think it'd be easier for us to think of dodgy dads. And what's alarming is that they were often godly men. Okay, godly men, but not very good fathers. King David was a man after God's own heart. Israel's great king. And yet, he was a dodgy dad. Isaac and Jacob, the two patriarchal figures, and yet as dads, they were guilty of devastating favoritism that tore their families apart. Eli was the priest. He was influential with Samuel, and yet he failed as a dad. He honored his sons over the Lord. And there are many examples, and sadly, this has continued throughout history. There have been lots of dodgy dads. Even spiritual giants who were not very good fathers. And that's a warning for us just because you're a Christian. Just because you're even living for the Lord and even serving the Lord doesn't automatically equate you to being a decent dad. And the second thing that comes into my mind is that the Bible says very little directly to parents. And what I mean by that is the Bible doesn't contain a parenting manual. That there isn't a whole book devoted to parenting. There isn't a whole chapter devoted to parenting. In fact, when you think about it, it doesn't say a lot directly to parents or to fathers particularly. Now, I would argue that everything applies indirectly because being a decent dad, okay, in order to do that, you need to be a decent Christian. Okay, as has been said, okay, parenting is Christian living in the home. But when you think about direct instructions about parenting, there isn't a lot to be found. And hence, we would do well to pay particularly close attention to what the Bible does say directly to parents, especially to dads. And where I'd like to focus this morning is Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. And I'd like to use it to determine some, some characteristics of a dodgy dad, 
and use that negative picture to help us move toward a positive picture of a decent day. Now, before we get to the text, I want to acknowledge that it's very easy for a lot of you to just tune out for the rest of this sermon. Okay, you can think, well, hey, this is for dads. I'm not a dad, so it's not relevant. Or it'll be very easy to use this sermon to stoke the fire of bitterness against your dad. And I don't want either of those things to happen. And hence, I do need to explain that this sermon is for everybody. And here's how. Okay, number one, if you're a dad, I hope that's self-explanatory. This is about dads. Number two, if you're a mom, as you will soon see, these things apply to you as well. And also, these things should be used to help you or, or, or enable you to assist your husband to grow and improve as a father and also be a source of praise and appreciation when he does it well. Number three, one day you may be a parent. Okay, there's plenty of people in here who may well one day be a parent. Okay, you have an opportunity to think through these things before you are a mom or dad. And number four, you have a dad. Okay, we're starting to get pretty broad here. And hopefully this will help you to identify some things that you are grateful for okay, and you can express that toward your dad. And then number five for us as a church, okay, this is for everybody. We need to understand we need to be praying for our dads okay, and we need to be holding them accountable and encouraging them. So hence this sermon, although seemingly more relevant to a narrower audience, is certainly applicable to everybody in one way or another. So let's consider the word to dads contained in the letter to the church at Colossae. Okay, our text, Colossians 3.21, it finds itself set in what is a household code. And it's addressing the various relationships within the home. It speaks to wives, to husbands, to children, to fathers, and to servants. And this is the obvious point that's very easy for us to miss, and yet it's crucial. The gospel is to impact our home life. That the spirit-filled life impacts how we relate to and treat each other within the home. Okay, please understand there's no disconnect between church and home. At least there ought not to be. Okay, the, the gospel grabs hold of every area of life. It's to impact our homes. The gospel... The, the word of God is to shape and to govern our marriages and parenting. Okay, we need to understand that our home is not some realm that's immune to the transforming power of the gospel. It's not like we have church life and home life. And Paul has laid down all of these wonderful gospel foundations in this epistle. He's been focusing primarily on the preeminence of Christ and the practical outflow of that is meant to pour into our homes. Dads, please understand that your faith in Christ is meant to change your home. That's the underlying conviction of this text. Now, as we move into considering the instruction given to dads, I want to make three observations about this verse. Number one. The brevity is stunning and striking. 
of everything that could have been said, this is said. Much more could have been added, and yet under inspiration, this is what the Lord determined to be written. And that ought to make us pay particularly close attention. This is obviously what dads need to hear. Number two, this verse seems to be addressed to fathers. It says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger. But understand, this Greek word can be translated parents. It is translated that way in Hebrews 11.23, where it's speaking of the parents of Moses. So this certainly applies to moms as well. Okay, so moms, you're not off the hook. But the translation of fathers does remind us that in God's created order, the father is primarily responsible for the raising of the children. And he is ultimately accountable when it comes to parenting. Dads, it's vital that you get that point. And then number three, in this household code, wives and husbands are to be viewed together. And so are the children and the parents. And what this tells us is that it's not only children with a duty. Okay, children are told an awful lot, obey your parents, that's your duty. But parents, especially dads, we also have a duty to our children. And when the instructions to children and fathers are viewed together, the idea is this. Fathers are to make it as easy as possible for the children to obey. Dads are to create an environment which will make obedience an easy and natural practice. So this relationship is not as one-sided as it's often portrayed. And these instructions are a reminder that children are people and must be respected as people. Okay, children are not objects or possessions to be bossed or bullied. Now, with those observations in mind, let's look at the instruction given. Okay, the way it's structured, it's quite simple. There's a command, and then there's a reason for the command. The command, provoke not your children. And you'll notice, too, anger is in italics, which means it's been supplied by the translators. So it's not in the original text. Although this is very helpful here, it's in harmony with Ephesians 6, 4. Now, this word provoke, it's only found here and in one other place in the New Testament. And this particular term can be used both positively and negatively. It means to stir up or to stimulate or to exasperate. It's used positively in 2 Corinthians 9.2. And the idea there is that a generous church, okay, that they had stirred up or they provoked other churches to give generously. So there it provoked or, or it stimulated a positive reaction. But in our text, it's to be viewed negatively. So fathers can provoke their children toward anger, toward wrath, toward frustration. Fathers can be responsible for, for stirring up these negative emotions and reactions and this can lead to children becoming discouraged. Okay, that's the effect in verse 21. Literally, it means dispirited. So they become fearful, timid, lacking any normal level of self-confidence. They lose hearts. 
Okay, they, they end up feeling like it's pointless. You know, I don't measure up. No, nothing I do is good enough for dad. Okay, that they're crushed, that they're embittered. And they're completely disheartened, which will often manifest itself in all kinds of negative ways. And that's a very sad picture. And that is one that as parents should grieve us, especially when we are the cause. Who wants to discourage their children in this way? Who, who wants them to be resentful and disheartened? And hence it's important to understand the ways that we provoke our children to wrath. Ways that we can be a dodgy dad. And it's here where I want to spend the rest of our time. Okay? What, what are some practical ways that we provoke our children. But before I get to that, one quick point, and, and this is vital. Provoking your children speaks of repeated and ongoing patterns of mistreatment. So we're not talking about failing now and then because all dads fall short. Okay, that's a very important realization for everybody. No dad is perfect. So this text is talking about habitual characteristics. Now I'd like to share with you 13 suggestions how children can be provoked by a dodgy dad. And this negative portrait will help us to paint a positive portrait of a decent dad. And don't be concerned, the more points I have, usually the shorter I go. If I've only got two points, you should be concerned. Okay, so there's 13. Number one is hypocrisy. Is hypocrisy. Okay, say one thing and do another. Pretend to be spiritually in tune at church and around Christian friends, but truth be told, at home, you're a full octave out of tune spiritually. Okay, you just put on the Christian mask, spray on the Christian deodorant when you're at church, but things are very different at home. Now, people may even esteem you highly at church, view you as being very godly. But if that isn't consistent at home, understand that will make your children nauseous. That they will be provoked to anger. If there is this inconsistency in dad's character, if he's very different between Saturday and Sunday, if there's a huge discrepancy there, it's going to provoke your children to wrath. So question, you know, would you be happy if your children disclosed to everybody what you're really like at home? You know, if there was a recording and it's put on the screen, how would you feel about that? Okay, would that match up with what people see at church? Okay, do, do, do you live it out every day? Do you practice what you preach? If not, you're riddled with hypocrisy and your children can see it and it impacts them. Number two is favoritism. Now, as parents, we must not favor one of our children over another. But it's integral that we treat our children equally and fairly. Understand that favoritism tears homes apart. Perhaps some of you here this morning have been on the wrong end of favoritism. It's not nice. And hence, we must guard against all preferential treatments, both Obvious and subtle. Strive for equality in every realm. You know, even if one child is clearly more gifted than another, that, that happens. But ensure it doesn't mean they end up favored. 
Or if one child has similar interests to you, don't let that become a point of favoritism. Parents, fathers should not have favorite children. You know, look at Isaac and Rebecca. They both had favorite son. One favored Esau, one favored Jacob. And this ended up causing all kinds of calamity for this family. If a child perceives that their sibling is favored, especially if it's blatant, that will have a detrimental impact. Number three is comparison. And this follows on from the previous point. It's harmful to be constantly comparing your child with someone else, whether that be a sibling, a cousin, a friend, or someone else at church, and that the whole childhood ends up feeling like a constant competition. Why can't you be more like your brother or sister? Why, why can't you just behave like them? You know, such and such would never do that. Your marks, they're never as good as your brother's. Your cousin, he finished that weeks ago. Comparison after comparison. And the whole social media era is certainly making this an even greater danger. You know, because parents spruik about only the positive things that their, parent, that their children do online. So dads, we need to understand that all of our children are different. You know, that's something that really struck me. I've got four kids, same parents, and they are so different. Children have varying abilities, varying talents. They learn at different paces, and it's harmful to compare. If we have this comparing culture, it's going to lead to anger and discouragement. And these comparison seeds, when planted into a child's heart, can lead to all kinds of poisonous crops. We need to remember that our children are unique individuals and shouldn't be compared and judged by the standard of others. Number four is priority. Okay, dads, do you understand that your wife and your children are, your, are meant to be your number one priority behind God? That's what the Bible teaches. There'd be a greater priority than work. That'd be a greater priority than your hobbies and your friends and even church. Do your children feel like they are a priority in your life? Or do they feel more like a burden? You know, how much time do you give to your children? How often are you home? When you're home, are you really home? How involved are you in their lives? Yes, I know you need to work, okay, providing. That's part of being a decent dad. But your children want to spend time with you more than anything else. Understand, children don't spell love, L-O-V-E. They spell love, T-I-M-E. Children want time. And this is where so many dads fall short. Not enough time spent with their children and this will lead to exasperating the kids. Okay, dad doesn't spend time with me. And what that communicates to me is that I'm not important. Dad's never at my party. Dad's not at the awards nights. He's not at my sporting events. He doesn't sit down and talk with me. He doesn't play with me. Even when he is home, he's on his phone and computer. That's a sure way to disappoint. 
You know, I've been a dad now for nearly six years, and I've never once thought, man, I, I spent too much time with my kids. Never thought that. But I have thought, I need to spend more time with them. That's the fourth thing. The fifth thing is mistreat their mom. Now, one of the best things that a dad can do for his children is to love their mom. Because this provides a safe and secure environment, a place where love abounds, and that's the perfect soil for a child to thrive. But understand, if you mistreat your wife, if you do not love her well, that's going to have all kinds of negative impacts on your children. You know, there are many who think, well, hey, I can be a good dad, but I can be a bad husband. Understand that's a false dichotomy. Because if you mistreat their moms, kids notice that, and it's a sure way to provoke them to anger. You know, for the dads here, okay, re- re- remember this point. How you treat your wife, that's how your sons will end up treating women. And that's how your daughters will accept being treated. You treat your wife woefully, guess what? Your daughter will end up accepting that exact same thing. She thinks that's normal. Okay, if you want to be a decent dad, you need to be a decent husband. Number six is discouragement. You know, kids that feel as though they never measure up, that they can never please you, they're destined for big trouble. Doesn't matter what I do, dad's, dad's never pleased. I, I can't meet his standard. With compliments and encouragement are few and far between, that this is all detrimental to your child. And particularly when it's paired with constant criticism. Every fault and flaw is pointed out, everything that's wrong, it's highlighted. All of the mistakes are constantly rehearsed. It's the failings and the shortcomings. It's like they're on this repeating reel, you know, that they're always discussed. Feels like you can do a hundred good things and nothing gets said. No well done. No one proud of you, but step out of line once and look out. You know, such an environment will puncture the child's hope and ambition and make them feel like they're useless. Make them feel as though that they're incapable of doing anything and it will lead to anger and discouragement. Dads, we need to be liberal with compliments and encouragement. Number seven is lack of affection. Children need to know that their dads love them. And we can't just assume and say, well, oh, hey, of, of course, they just know that, that, that I love them. You know, do, they? do they? You know, we, we need to verbalize it. We, we need to show it in how we treat them. And not just show it when they're well behaved, okay, when they're measuring up, but rather we need to love them unconditionally. That they need to be assured that dad's love is not just the reward when I do well, but rather kids need to be convinced that dad loves them no matter what. And this should be really obvious to them. It needs to be verbalized frequently. Every day is ideal. Tell your kids that you love them. It needs to be shown by hugging and kissing. Okay, affection's a good thing. It needs to be proven by spending time with them and doing dad things. Because if a child feels unloved, if there's a lack of affection, it will lead to all kinds of trouble. Okay, society has a term for it. They refer to it as daddy issues. Okay, and that's what ends up happening. 
Number eight is lack of repentance. A decent dad's a man enough to admit that they got it wrong and will humbly apologize to the family. And when I talk about a humble apology, I mean no excuses, no ifs and buts, no justifications. It's just humble repentance. Kids, I was wrong. And I'm sorry. I did the wrong thing. I hurt you and I'm really sorry. I am sorry that I got angry and yelled at you. That was wrong. Please forgive me. Does that happen in your home? Have you ever done that? That's the decent dad. Do you know what the dodgy dad does? The one that who will embitter his, his children? He's the one who refuses to say sorry. And he's the one that communicates dad is always right. Even when he's wrong, he's still right. And even if it becomes very clear that he is wrong, guess what he does? He ends up blaming others, usually the children. Well, hey, if you weren't so naughty, I wouldn't be so angry. You know, the dad that's too proud to be sorry, the one who never repents, he would discourage and deflate his children. And understand when you do that, when you refuse to repent, Understand you're contradicting the gospel that you profess to believe. The gospel includes repentance, does it not? Don't children need to understand that everyone sins? Even dad? And hence you need to humbly and openly acknowledge that. When was the last time you said sorry to your children with no strings attached? I don't want to hear, kids, I'm sorry, but I'm stressed at work. That's not an apology. Okay, as soon as you have but and if, it's not an apology. Okay, the, the decent dad. Repentance will be a frequent part of his parenting. Number nine is lack of forgiveness. Okay, here's something that all the dads will agree with. Uh, perhaps I've said some things that, that felt a little bit sharp and and ouchy, but here's something you, you will like. You will say amen to this. Your children get a lot of things wrong. They mess up. They sin. They're rude. They won't eat their dinner. They talk back. They're capable of doing lots of bad things. But do you know what? That shouldn't surprise us. Why? Well, they're your child. And you're capable of doing lots of bad things. And you have done lots of bad things, as have I. And here's the thing. There's going to be times when your children hurt and disappoint you. That that's a reality in any relationship. But it's so important that as dads, we forgive and move on. Okay, once it's been dealt with, once it's been buried, don't keep bringing it up. Don't use it to manipulate but rather, again, apply the gospel. Forgive as you have been forgiven. So many people are wounded because their dad would never forgive. Sure, he'd say that he'd forgiven, but, but it, keeps, it keeps coming up. Something was always held against them. Okay, we mustn't be like that. Number 10, unreasonable expectations. Have you ever felt like you're set up to fail? Someone expected something from you and it was just impossible. It couldn't be achieved. 
And I think I speak for us all. We don't like those kinds of scenarios where the boss, the teacher, or the coach just has completely unreasonable expectations. And yet how often this can happen with our children. Uh, This will vary from age and child to child, but we need to guard against having completely unrealistic and unreasonable expectations. Okay, in confession time, this is something I've struggled with as a parent. What's a reasonable expectation for my child at their age? But do you know, a three-year-old will probably make a little bit of noise in church, and do you know what? That's okay. A four-year-old probably won't eat absolutely everything. No child or teenager is going to behave perfectly. It doesn't matter if your child doesn't get 100% in every test. Because unreasonable expectations will completely crush a child. You need age-appropriate and ability-appropriate expectations. Expectations aren't wrong, but unreasonable ones are crushing. Number 11 uh, is abuse. Unfortunately, dads can abuse their children in many ways. Now, that can be physical abuse, where one's strength and size are used in a domineering way. There, there can be outrageous punishments. You know, the kids do the smallest little thing, and there is just this ridiculous punishment, like they've murdered someone. The dads can be far too quick to smack, and smacking far too hard. Okay, discipline's not about authority per se, it's about loving and reasonable correction. Now, there can be verbal abuse, constant yelling, screaming, and shouting. Understand, that is scary for children. That's scary for adults. I don't like it. You know, and then there can even be name-calling, tearing down, and demeaning. You're useless. You're good for nothing. Understand, that's all abuse. And it's very damaging. Understand that the angry dad will end up having angry children. Number 12 is overprotection. Many well-meaning parents can end up frustrating their children from overprotection. And this can manifest itself in different ways. It can be over strictness. Okay, strictness is not a bad thing. Children need that. But parents can go over the top and life can become like an army boot camp. And some of the restrictions of where they can go and what they can do, it can just be too much, which can produce rebellion and anger. I know many teenagers into young adults who have been like that. Another way this can happen is by over-smothering. What I mean by that is you you never trust them to do things on their own. And, And this is true, especially as children get older. So when parents refuse to give any leash... Okay, that they like to keep the kids on a short chain thinking they can control them in absolutely every sphere of life. You know, it's true that children need restrictions and guidance, but they must learn to make decisions on their own in accordance to their age. Otherwise, they will be provoked to anger. And number 13 is lack of discipleship and discipline. Now, as parents, especially dads, God has entrusted the discipleship of our children into our hands primarily. Okay? Church helps, 
Quest and Sunday School helps, but understand your children's discipleship is your responsibility primarily. We need to train our children. We need to prepare and equip them for life. We want our kids to be functioning and contributing members of society when they're old enough. And this means we need to teach our children in every area of life. And what this means, it means involvement. Dads must be involved. It's hands-on. We cannot be absent. We cannot be distant. And from a spiritual perspective, it's the dad's responsibility to lead his family spiritually. Read the Bible together. Pray together, teach the word, bring your children to church, correct your children. Okay, discipline is required. And smacking, although not the only form of discipline, it is required. He that spareth the rod hateth the child. Okay, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. The rod of correction drives that out. Okay, if you refuse to smack, you're disobeying God and you're doing your child a great disservice. You know, dodgy dads are not involved in discipling or disciplining. And this has all kinds of negative impacts on your children. Now, there are far too many angry and discouraged people in this world. And although not all of it stems from dodgy dads, and often dads can get unfairly blamed for some things, I think particularly in a feministic society, But it's unarguable that there is a lot of hurts and a lot of harm that dads are responsible for. And that's not true just out here in our society. It's also true in the church. And we all have a role to play in making this better. You know, for the dads, God has blessed us with children. They're a blessing from the Lord. And he has entrusted them to our care, and we need to step up. Our children need us. They need decent dads. And we need to honestly assess our fathering against these characteristics we have considered and strive to change if necessary and and to grow. And if you're bold, ask your wife, ask your kids where you fall short. And we all have room to grow. And this is true whether your kids are a baby or whether they have kids of their own. You never stop being a dad. And here's the thing for us as dads, as we consider what's expected. I don't know about you, but I feel quite a heavy weight. I feel quite insufficient for these things. You know, and here's the thing. We can't be everything we need to be in and of ourselves. But here's the good news. The Lord will give us the tailor-made grace that we need each and every day and each and every moment to be the dad that he wants us to be. That's the good news of the gospel. We have the Lord's help. We have his enabling. So with his help, let's be decent dads. You know, this morning, maybe there are some dads here and you think, whoa, it's very obvious to me that I have not done this well. You know, if that is you, you know, two things. Confess it before the Lord, deal with it there, and then apologize to your children. 
okay, confess it to them. You know, that's how we deal with that. And I can assure you that God will forgive you. And often children will receive that well too. Now for the wives and moms, this applies to you too. But the main message that I have for you today is keep your husbands accountable. Remind him of these things in a loving and gracious way, not in a nagging way. And more importantly, pray these things into his life. Okay, pray that he wouldn't possess these 13 things, but have the opposites. And then encourage him when he does well. Now, for the children, whether you're young or whether you're old, pray for your dads and make sure you thank them if they have done some of the things that we've considered this morning well. Okay, express gratitude toward decent dads. This is something we should do regularly, but today is a good day to do that. Okay, give thanks for your dads. Now, for the church, okay, we need to be praying for the parents. We need to be praying for the dads. And these 13 characteristics of a dodgy dad, that they give us some very specific prayer points for the dads. Here's an example. Lord, I pray that Brendan would not favor one of his children over the other. I pray that he would treat his four children fairly, well, that he would be discipling them, that he would be disciplining them when required, that he would be saying sorry when necessary. That, there's some particular prayer points for the dads in our church. You know, and as a church, we need to be encouraging the dads. Okay, compliment them when you see them doing things well, but we must also be loving and courageous enough to speak up when dads are being dodgy. If we see that and we know it, we, we can't be quiet. Okay, we need to lovingly confront. And hence, we all have a role to be playing. And then finally, for everybody, uh, God is the perfect father. And no doubt that there are some here this morning who, who don't really enjoy Father's Day. Because you've had a dodgy dad, or maybe even worse, you've had a derelict dad. It's just horrible. And days like today are really hard for you. You know, if that's you, I'm, I'm sorry. But do you know what? In your situation, and even for those who have had okay dads or, or really good dads, remembering all dads fall short, they all disappoint us. That's why the message of the Bible is such good news. Because God is our Father. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been engrafted into the heavenly family. He's your Father and, and He's perfect. None of the qualities of the dodgy dad are found in God. Not even a little. He's 100% free of dodgy dadness. Our God is everything that you want in a father and even more. And because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, we are the children of God. We are in his family. And we have the perfect father, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, I do thank you, uh, first of all, uh, for who you are, and you are the perfect Father. And uh, I, I do thank you uh, that we are uh, your children. Lord, I do pray, particularly this morning, uh, for we uh, who are dads. Um, I know most of us would be very quick to admit that we, we fall short and we, we seek your forgiveness. And uh, please help us as we seek to, to raise uh, our children uh, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Please give us the grace uh, that, that we so uh, desperately need. And please help us uh, to, to, to be a, a, a positive uh, illustration of what it means uh, for God to be our Father uh, to our children. Please help us with this, we pray in Jesus' name.